WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. Well, good Sunday morning on this Labor Day weekend. My name is John Paul, the car doctor here to help you with your car problems. And uh, uh, I was listening to uh, WATD earlier in our buddy Paul Sullivan from Sullivan Tire was on talking about uh, his business and uh, how they started, uh, how his uh, father started the business way back in 1955 out of a little, uh, I don't even think it was a two-car garage. It might have been a one-car garage up in Rockland and how their business has grown to over 100 tire stores, which um, when you think about tires, tires are the only part of your car that hopefully ever touches the ground. Uh, you know, there may be some other parts, but they're not designed to touch the ground. But tires are certainly one of the most important things that you need to take care of on your car. And although they last a lot longer, uh, they still require some maintenance. And with us is uh, Woody Rogers of Tire Rack, uh, Vice President of Marketing with Tire Rack. Woody, good morning, and thanks for joining us on the Car Doctor program. John, good morning, and uh, thank you so much for having me. And, you know, one of the things about tires, and, and, and we kind of think tires are yeah, they all the same. They're round, they're black, they hopefully last a long time. But there is differences in tires, and we're seeing that especially today with electric vehicles where the tires don't seem to be lasting as long. Are there special tires for electric cars? Well, man, that's a that's a loaded statement leading <laughs> to a question. Um, uh, there are special tires being made for electric vehicles. Uh, but a variety of things will work on an electric vehicle, just like any other passenger car, as long as it's the right size, carries the right load, has the right speed rating. Um, but, you know, electric vehicles add a new dimension to what the tire needs to deliver to the to the driver experience. And so we can go down that path. We can talk about whatever you'd like around electric vehicle tires. And one of the things that I've, you know, I mentioned, uh, you know, it seems like electric vehicles don't have, Maybe some of the life, the long life that I mean, we I I when one of my very first jobs I worked in a tire store, and I remember that it was um, it was Uniroyal tires, and they sort of had a twenty, thirty, forty thousand mile rating tires. The the forty thousand was the top of the line, and it seems like tires today easily last forty thousand or more. But um, it seems as if some of these electric vehicle tires, you talk to Tesla owners and they're getting twenty five or 30,000 miles out of the tire. Is, that, is part of that just to do with the weight of the vehicle? The, the, tire, the, the vehicles are so heavy and the tires are designed to uh, maybe have lower rolling resistance, which maybe shortens the life a little bit? Well, uh, you've got part of it, I think, you know, spot on. Electric vehicles do wear tires more quickly than the equivalent passenger ice the internal combustion engine vehicle does. And a large part of that is the weight of the the vehicle, the battery-powered electric vehicle. They're very heavy. Um, Another big component that a lot of people don't take into account is the torque delivery out of an electric motor. It is instant versus a gas-powered vehicle that takes some time to build the power as you accelerate and the engine picks up speed. And that torque factor, um, which is thrilling to drive with, and even everyday drivers kind of catch on to this instant torque and the power that it gives you right under the, the, your toes and your gas foot, um, that torque plus the weight pushes out tires more quickly. So even 
specially designed electric vehicle tires, which have very that are very efficient as they roll, or a regular tire that the same tire you would put on your your gas powered vehicle, they will both wear about twenty percent faster on the electric vehicle than on the gas powered vehicle. That's been kind of the industry standard. It's kind of interesting you talk about that the instant torque, and you're absolutely right. At at my full time job at AAA, we just um, we just got 11 of the 35 Ford Lightning pickup trucks that we had on order come in recently. And we actually have to do a little bit of driver training with the folks <laughs> that are going to drive them because they, the, the torque is so instantaneous and they are ridiculously fast. Well, and, you know, and not that everybody is a hot rod driver tearing around the roads, but, but the, the power that you have at your, your toe tips, so to speak, mm-hmm. is a little bit addictive. And you're like, wow, I can... I can go from here to there, and, and you just you're empowered to move more swiftly than before, and you take advantage of that. That's natural as a driver, and so that just wears the tires more quickly. Yeah, it absolutely does. And the other the other part of tires that I, I find sort of interesting, and for for years and years, I'm living living in New England for years and years. We, you know, we always talked about. Um, all-season tires, uh, but there's nothing like putting dedicated winter tires on a car when the snow flies, is there? Oh, you're talking my language now. Um, absolutely. There is, you know, there's nothing like a winter tire for winter weather. The winter season, really, is maybe the better way to put it, because today's tires are winter season tires, not just snow tires. They've improved much from the old days 30, 40 years ago, uh, where it was just an aggressive tread pattern that looked like a, a farm implement tire more than a passenger car tire to chew its way through the snow and the slush. Today's tires rely on very, very advanced, today's winter tires rely on very advanced tread compound, the thing you can't see, it's the black magic in the tire, that provides traction in really cold conditions, on snow, on ice, in slushy roads, even cold, dry roads will benefit from a winter tire. more so than the very typical all-season tire that we want to drive on all year. Yeah, that's a really good point. I remember years back, um, I was road testing an Audi A4 car that Quattro should be great in the wintertime. I think we got about an eighth of an inch of snow, and it had conventional, probably summer tires on the car. Probably. I, I drove the car, I think, less than a half a mile turned it around, drove it back home, and took my own car because it was just terrible in the snow. Later, I drove that car, probably two or three months later, with winter tires on it. It was amazing how good it was. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, people that drive on winter tires, dedicated winter tires, will drive to a destination and get out of the vehicle and fall down with their shoes because they don't realize how slippery the road is. Um, And the converse of that is true, which is what you found with the A4, the wrong tire on the vehicle, you know, just won't have the traction when you need it the most. And winter weather, winter conditions, snowy, icy, slushy, uh, they, they have a challenge to the tires that no other condition really does. Um, and the wrong tire for the job is horrible, and the right tire is just amazing. And you, you sort of compared it to shoes, and I think to a certain extent tires are like shoes. You wouldn't wear, you know, golf spikes when you were playing basketball and you wouldn't wear leather shoes if you were trying to walk across an ice rink and it's kind of the same thing with tires right 
Exactly right. I mean, you know, your shoes are what contact ground if you have to go do what you do. And just walking about isn't stressing your shoes or their traction very much. But if you try to push against a heavy object, like when you're shoveling snow, you have to lean into it, or you're trying to, to move swiftly, which is what your vehicle is doing as you go down the road, uh, and you have to stop and turn or deal with a situation that is unexpected, um, that's when you really need the traction. And just like making that fast left-right cut on the basketball court, um, where you need the traction of your, your basketball shoes, and that leather shoe wouldn't work so well, your vehicle is doing the same thing. If you have to dodge around that that, that other car that slides into the intersection, you have to change lanes suddenly or panic stop in kind of poor visibility and traction conditions. You need that that reserve grip that a proper dedicated winter tire will deliver in those wintertime conditions. Yeah, it really it really is. And, and one of the things I love about your website is the ability to look at different kinds of tires for your car, different ratings, you know, how you guys rate them, how your consumers rate those tires. It really does. Tires tires are expensive. It's a, it's a major commitment to buy a set of four tires for your car. Uh, but it's nice to know you can kind of see how they rate and how and what people think of them. And especially if you can you can find a review of the exact same kind of vehicle you have with the kind of tire you're interested in well yeah john i don't want to make this a commercial for tireact.com where i work but you know because we we try to democratize all the tire information that we have we feel more the more informed a driver is the better a choice they can make whether it's from us whether it's from any other local tire dealer uh but we hope they'll buy from us but you're right you know the old days have changed it's no longer do you want the good the better or the best tire the 20 the 30 or the 40,000 mile tire Tires do so much more today than they used to. They're so much more capable at many more things than just how long do they last? Uh, what kind of traction do they have? How smooth and quiet are they? Um, how efficient are they? Are they tuned for an electric vehicle specifically to be very efficient as they roll along to maximize your battery life? And that's the kind of information that we've aggregated together on our site. Um, you can look at our testing data. We have our own test track right in our front yard. Or evaluating the performance of tires A versus B, uh, we have those consumer consumer reviews and ratings. So don't just take Tirex's word for it. Hear what other customers, consumers who have driven on the tire think. And as you drill into the descriptive reviews of the product, as you said a moment ago, you can filter down by your specific vehicle so that you know. Well, you know, does a Toyota Camry customer who's driving the same kind of Camry that I have? What's their experience like? You know, it's not the experience of someone driving a big lifted pickup truck, for example. You can find people just like you and hear what they think. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really important when you when you think of all of that. And some of some of I was answering a, a question this morning for a reader, and they bought a, a uh, two tires from. Maybe it was you. I'm not sure. They just said they got them got them delivered. And they brought them to their local repair shop, and they said, well, I want to put them on the front of my car. And the um, the mechanic at the shop said, I'm sorry. I, I, I've been taught you put new tires on the rear of your car, not on the front of your car. And he said, well, yeah, but they're new tires. So I want to put them on the front. And he said, look, you know, if you want to put them on the front, you've got to go someplace else because I've been taught the new tires go on the back. So there is there is a little bit of change in what uh, people think and where, for instance, if you're only buying two, where they should go, right? For sure. I mean, the, the front tires on any vehicle, especially many of today's front-wheel drive or all of today's front-wheel drive, 
and many of the all-wheel drive vehicles, which are really front-drive biased, the front tires are doing 75% of the work to to stop and turn your vehicle, well, to stop your vehicle. They're doing all the work to turn it, mm-hmm. and they're probably doing all the work to get it to accelerate. So the front tends to wear the most, and, or the wear the quickest. And they also will have worn-out tires up on the front. You'll feel them slipping in bad weather the, the quickest. So the thought, conventional thinking is, put the deepest tread of the new tires up on the front. When you have shallower tires in the rear of your vehicle, the situation that is created when you're driving in deeper rain or in slushy and snowy conditions, the rear of your car could very well lose traction before the front does where those new tires are. And that creates an oversteer situation. And driver training will tell you to steer into the skid, look where you're going, manage that slide. That's all fine and good. But when physics takes over, there's really not much you can do if the rear of the car is hydroplaning in the rain before the front is. And it will just tend to slide around. And there's really nothing you can do until those tires come back down to the water and regain grip. So new tires on the front can create a very unsafe vehicle dynamic in certain circumstances. Um, and so that's why the technician would say, you got to put them on the rear. Um, and I, I, I personally believe the same thing. I've driven through many demonstrations where, where that's the case, where we tried deeper on the front, shallow in the rear in, in the rain. And it's a diabolical combination once you cross that threshold. And the best driver in the world, Mario Andretti, isn't going to catch the car. And the average civilian isn't going to be able to save it either. And that means a crash. And crashes are bad. Uh, absolutely. And, and you know, you, you, you said, you know, your, your driver ed training, if you remembered, it was, you know, you know, steer in the direction of the skid and look where you want the car to go. And all, you know, all that sounds good until your car's sliding sideways. And then all that stuff that you tried to remember about don't step on the brake and all that all kind of goes out the window when you're when you get scared and nervous and you're frozen to the wheel and your car's just turning sideways. So you're right. Put the put the right tires where they belong. You mentioned all wheel drive vehicles and some all wheel drive vehicles require uh, replacing all four tires depending on the amount of wear. And even though you may have only damaged one tire your car has maybe twenty five thousand miles on it you hit a curb you blew out a tire and you have all-wheel drive uh in some cases you have to replace all four tires right well uh you may the the critical value is you some of these all-wheel drive vehicles like subaru is the most common example needs very closely matching tread depth so the tires are all all four tires are the same diameter so as they roll they're all rolling at the same speed and cover the same ground with every revolution. Imagine taking a kind of a red solo cup, put it on its side, and push it. Does it roll straight or does it roll in a circle? It rolls in a circle because one end of the cup is larger, has deeper tread than the other end of the cup, the base, which is smaller. And if you were forcing it to all roll at the same speed and go the same dirt distance, that puts a lot of strain on the all-wheel drive system of the vehicle. So that's why manufacturers like Subaru say, all the tires must have very similar tread depth. And if you've got a half-worn set of tires and one of them gets damaged and ruined by a road hazard, for example, a puncture nail you can't repair, well, then you, you can't mix one brand new with three half-worn because of this, this difference in diameter. So could require replacing all four so you don't damage the very expensive all-wheel drive system on your car. The alternative is to shave down the tread depth of the one new tire that you buy. Tyrac offers that service. 
can call in, speak to one of our, our phone agents and get that organized, where if you measure the tread depth of your remaining three and we shave down the one brand new tire to match the other three, now you won't damage the all-wheel drive system. Sure, you're taking off some tread depth of that one brand new tire, but that's a small you know, kind of investment versus having to replace your all-wheel drive system. Yeah, it absolutely is, and I think that's something. Uh, I I remember years and years ago seeing seeing that machine that kind of grinds off the tread, and you know, and 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 I had no idea what it was meant for, and I didn't even know why it existed at the time. And then I heard, you know, I heard about this, and I said, you know, that's that's actually a pretty good idea. That's a way that all of a sudden now I don't have to spend, you know whatever twelve hundred dollars on a set of four tires where i can just buy one have it all match and it becomes a it becomes an economical way to get my car to perform the way it's supposed to and it makes a lot of sense today's tires also um one of the things i noticed was um i was looking at i was looking at a tire and and it might have been off might have been off an electric vehicle it might have been off a volvo i don't remember what but uh when the tire came off the rim it had this heavy rubber foamy stuff inside the tire and which is designed to help uh, eliminate some road noise but also for some people can um uh, can make repairs a little bit uh, a little bit difficult if they've never seen it before so tire repair is really important and it's and it's important to do it the right way right absolutely so if you do get a puncture uh you know it has to be in a part of the tire that you can repair if it's very close to the to the shoulder, the the outboard side of the tire tread area, it's really in a very high flex area that can't be repaired. Um, but if it's in the main part of the tread and it's a small enough puncture, usually quarter inch or smaller, uh, it can be repaired as long as the tire hasn't been driven on with excessively low air pressure. But this foam inside the tire, and it's kind of a dense foam rubber that some uh, luxury ice-powered, you know, gas-powered vehicles, and many of the mm-hmm. electric vehicles have this layer of foam bonded underneath the tread area, and it's there to, to dampen the sound that the tire makes. You know, it's a big enclosed chamber. It's like a like a, a big bass drum in a drum mm-hmm. set that the rock band would have. And, you know, you'd see some garage bands, they would put a pillow inside that kick drum. Why? It's to dampen and tune the sound. The foam rubber inside the tire isn't there to support the weight not cushioning your feet. It's there to dampen the sound and make it a smoother, quieter ride for you to get on the road. It is in this area where if you have a nail through the tread, they have to do the repair. And so the technician has to remove a small piece of that. It won't really affect the sound that you'll hear, um, but he has to get it out of the way. A proper tire repair isn't just a string plug you buy at the auto zone and stick in there yourself. The tire has to be dismounted and inspected to make sure it's not damaged uh, on the inside. And then there has to be a pat on the inside of the tire, as well as a plug that goes through the thickness of the rubber and through the tread area. So you're patching and plugging. The patch seals the air, and the plug repairs the injury through the rubber and the steel and the fabric layers that are in that tread area. Tires aren't just rubber. There are other, as I said, non-rubber components inside the tire, and you have to seal up those areas, those edges, seal up the injury so that as you continue to drive, water and things don't get inside there and begin to affect the fabric and the steel that are making your tire uh, do what it does. 
Yeah, it it really is. I think you know, again, going back years and years ago, you know, people plugged tires. That's what they that's what they did, and then yep. people patched tires, and then they said, "Wait, we need to plug and patch." So, like you pointed out, you need to be able to repair the tire from the inside to fix the liner part of the tire, but also you need to fill that hole that keeps water from getting in and causing rust and deterioration. You know, could it could it could it cause rust of a steel belt? Maybe over over time, it certainly could. So the idea of repairing a tire properly, and most importantly, as you pointed out, if that tire was damaged by driving it with low air pressure, you want to take that tire apart. You want to look at it and make sure that it's 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 sound. You don't you don't want to repair a tire and then have it fail because you didn't look at it because it had some internal damage that you didn't see just plugging it from the outside. You are 100% correct. I mean, you know, tires don't heal the way we do. Our they can't self-regenerate. So all you can do is minimize the potential for future damage. And a lot of that injury or the damage to the tire from driven on low on air before you realized or, you know, believed that it was really punctured and flat, um, you can't see it from the outside. So only a trained technician can notice that looking at it once it's dismounted from the wheel. And you owe that to yourself and the safety of you and your family riding in the car to make sure that whenever there's a puncture that's being repaired, you're doing the due diligence and have a trained professional dismount look at that tire and make sure it's safe for you to keep driving on. It's really, really important. Yeah, it really is. And uh, before we, we let you go, uh, TireRack.com is a website. But, uh, you know, an important part of what's on TireRack is all of the, the technical articles you can read and learn about things, learn about the, the, the newest tires, learn about all-weather and premium tires, learn about these tires like uh, – the the Michelin what do they call it the cross something that's kind of a kind of an all cross weather climate cr- cross climate two an, an all weather tire that that really does do a good job in the winter right that's right I mean they, none of those all weather tires can match a dedicated winter tire when it is winter season but the capabilities of the year round tires so it's like all season plus. Uh, is really quite amazing to me. I've been in the, the tire business for almost 25 years, and I'm just stunned by the technological developments. This Michelin Cross Climate 2 you mentioned, plus a handful of others now that are all-season tires that carry the three-peak mountain snowflake symbol. It's a industry standard reference for wintertime traction, and um, the newest crop of premium tires, premium all-season tires, carry this mark, and they're capable of just amazing levels of traction in the wintertime, plus smooth and quiet, long-lasting, good wet and dry traction for the rest of the year. It's pretty amazing to see. And, yes, you can find those all at TireRack.com or call and speak to one of our uh, trained tire technicians on the phone. And if, um, say, for example, Jesse, our producer, wanted to buy a set of four dedicated winter tires for his car and a set of four matching wheels so he can so he can take his, his – uh, uh, summer tires off and put the winter tires on. Uh, can Tire Rack hook them up with tire pressure sensors too? For sure. So that's a very important part in maintaining that safety feature of the tire pressure monitoring system, the TPMS sensors. Uh, when you buy a, a wheel and tire package, like for winter time, uh, we can install the matching set of sensors that work for your vehicle so that you maintain that uh, pressure monitoring system for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we can find all this information and more at pretty simple tirerack.com, right? That's right. We like to keep it simple, and that's where you'll find it. 
All right. Hey, Woody, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your Labor Day weekend and joining us on the Car Doctor program. You're so welcome, and I really appreciate being here. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. That was Woody Rogers, Vice President of Marketing for Tire Rack. We need to take a break and pay some bills. My name's John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. Quirk Kia South, offering the same great customer sales and service you expect from a Quirk dealership. Come in, browse their well-stocked lot, and drive home in a brand new Kia, like the 2023 Kia Forte or the 2023 Kia Sportage. And the Quirk service department will be available to you for the lifetime of your vehicle. Quirk Kia South works for you. Quirk Kia, 923 Plain Street, Marshfield, just off Route 3 at the new Exit 27. Visit QuirkKiaMarshfield.com. Heading out to San Francisco For the Labor Day weekend show I got my hush puppies on I guess I never was meant for glitter rock and roll and welcome back to the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. I figured we'd put a little bit of Jimmy Buffett in here since he passed away over the weekend, and that is his famous Labor Day song. So uh, we'll, we'll see if uh, Jesse can come up with uh, a few more and see we'll see what else is going on. But right now, let's talk to our buddy Robert. Robert, good morning. Your time and your wisdom. Uh, yeah, I have some concerns. Yeah, tell tell my wife about wisdom, would you? Yeah, well, I yeah. have the same problem. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, these extended intervals that all manufacturers have, sometimes I'm thinking it's a conspiracy to have you adhere to it and then wish you hadn't because, you know, you get failures and issues in the long run. But, you know, that's, a, that's just my opinion. I'll let you talk about that later. What I am concerned with, uh, both the Mavic and the Escape, my wife has coolant on the extended interval. It's 200,000 miles or 10 years on the Maverick, okay? On the Escape, though, it's only 100,000 miles or five years. So those are two discrepancies. The transmission, on the other hand, they're both the same, 150,000 miles with an exception. If you're driving in dusty roads, sand, salt, you know, whatever, it's 30,000 miles. I mean, that's a big discrepancy in fluid changes. To me, you know, I won't be in that severe condition, but it seems that 10 years, 200,000 miles for coolant, it's way too long. Well, and it and it really depends on uh, you know the, you know that GM Dexcool, the stuff that was it was a uh, orangey sort of stuff, and it turned into brown sludge um, if you left it in there too long. But one of the reasons it turned into brown sludge was because if it ran low, if the if the level ran low, and when it got really hot, it would turn into this stuff that looked like chocolate pudding almost. It was horrible. Um, yeah, the new extended coolants, uh, yeah, to see that, uh, you know, 200,000, 
I I looked up an Audi the other day. They consider it a lifetime fill. Never 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 change a coolant in an Audi. It, it's, it could be there forever. Yeah, now is late. that yeah yeah is that true? I you know how how can it be there forever if the radiator hoses only last you know seven or eight years or whatever the case is. So, um, you know, I remember looking at, it was, it was at, um, a, it was on a GM vehicle at the GM training center that is, uh, uh, part of Mass Bay Community College. And they were looking at some GM coolant and this stuff looked like you should have changed it five years ago. It was brown. It was brown and awful. And the guy who was teaching the class said, GM actually still doesn't recommend changing it because they test it and they say it still has all the, you know, vitamins and minerals in it that it should have that will make the car run. The color of it doesn't make any difference anymore. It's not the color. It's what's going on inside of it. And I'm like, you know, come on, let's do Why don't we just change it and get it over with? Um, you know, 10, you know, does this stuff last longer? It, it, it does. Um, you know, are the manufacturers doing it to try to, you know, have, you know, higher failure rates, you know, off in the distance. I don't think so. I think what they're really trying to say is, look how cheap it is to maintain our cars because you don't have to do any of this stuff. Um, and whether it's right or wrong, that's kind of what they're saying. They're saying, you, you know, look, it's, uh, you know, we're going to, you, you don't have to do anything to your car for the first 100,000 miles. You don't have to change the oil. You don't have to change the transmission fluid. You don't have to change the coolant. Just change the oil every five, six, seven, ten thousand miles, and you'll be fine. Um, and look how cheap it is. You don't have to spend all this money on maintenance every year. Yeah, so good selling point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if you've ever, I'll pass. <laughs> yeah, if you've ever gone on YouTube and you've watched yeah. that guy Scotty Kilmer. Yep, who, who yells? Who yells and screams and flaps you know, his arms around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's one of those guys who'll tell you that you know the manufacturers are crazy. You know, don't believe what Toyota says about lifetime transmission fluid. You know, change it every thirty thousand miles, and the transmission will last forever. Um, you know, maybe that. You know, that very well could be the case. On the other hand, I have seen, you know, some of those transmissions last. You know half a million miles and no one's ever done anything to them. I think one of the big problems that we sometimes run into with uh, a lot of these things is not putting the right fluids back in. You know, yeah. you don't use the dedicated GM fluid or you don't use the dedicated Toyota fluid. You don't use the, you know, though I was at an auto parts store, I don't know, a week or two ago, I think. And I think I counted nine different kinds of antifreeze. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, when I first started, you know, repairing cars, it was green stuff. You know, it was right. it was Prestone or Xerox or whatever it was. And then, uh, you know, the Asian cars used used some kind of uh, used some kind of you know red stuff that was really the green stuff with the red color to it. It was it was the same ethylene glycol. It was nothing different about it. And then all of a sudden, they came out with these you know uh, organic antifreezes and hybrid organic antifreezes and you know the Chrysler Gold and the Chrysler you know orange or whatever the different colors are but in some cases it's really important to use the right one so i think sometimes what happens is you know the you know maybe not changing is good because if they don't put the right stuff in you can cause problems i know like uh with hondas for instance 
if you don't use the Honda transmission fluid, the thing shifts funny afterwards. Um, and the Honda transmission fluid smells funny. It, it it smells weird. It looks different. There's something different about it. I don't know what it is, but there's something different about it. And the same thing with, like, Volkswagen power steering fluid. It's a, it's really expensive uh, power steering fluid, So there's, and there's something different about it. And you, So it's important to use the right fluids, and maybe that's part of the reason is don't, don't go messing around with stuff and put the wrong thing in because then it's going to break, and when it does, you're going to blame us. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I know I'm going to wait maybe five years and 50000 That's what yeah. I did on the yeah. Ram, and that's what yeah. I'll do on these two vehicles. Yeah. Uh, there's one other thing, too, the PTU power takeoff yep. units for you know front drive and the rear axle. No maintenance required for life. Sealed for life unless it leaks or you submerged in water, which that's common sense. Right, and, and that's one of those things that it's it's like, um, you know, you look at you look at those things and you go, well, why? I remember going, I remember going to GM school back in the, I don't, know, must have been the seventies or eighties or something when it was located where uh, Fox Twenty Five is now in Dedham, and uh, and we we were talking about maintenance, you know, and and it was like, you know, do your oil changes every you know three thousand miles and transmission fluid every twenty five thousand and all that, and you know the teacher brought up the uh, the instructor brought up the the maintenance schedule, and he looked at it and said, you know. Th- there's so many exceptions back then. It was like, you know, if you had a rooftop carrier, you you pulled a trailer, you drove in uh, dusty conditions, which, you know, in their mind could also mean uh, stuff like, um, you know, a lot of pollen in the spring. Yeah, that could be dusty. Um, you know, so it was sort of like, unless you drive indoors, uh, follow, you know, follow the, follow the, uh, the severe maintenance and you're never going to go wrong. Now, he probably would have gotten in trouble with, you know, General Motors for saying that because General Motors said, you know, you don't need to do this, this, or this unless you do this and this. You know, he looked at it that, you know, who who doesn't drive in, you know, stop and go traffic if you drive in and out of Boston every day? Um, you know, who doesn't drive in, you know, temperatures that are below 20 degrees if you live in New England? Everybody does. But I think it's a routine of that stuff that makes the difference. Yeah, I know the oil is the same way. I'm in the Sevilla. That's what I do. Five thousand yep. max. Seventy five hundred is you know considered normal, and then they got ten thousand if it's uh, even less than normal. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, no, five thousand. That's good enough for the oil change. You know, if you don't need to do it, so what? Uh, you know, it's your money. You spend it, and please have. Peace of mind and yeah. insurance. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there, there's no, there's no, um, there's no harm in right. over maintaining your car. Now, Honda will say that you know, follow the Honda doesn't even have a schedule. They have a little thing that pops up on the dash that says it's time to right. do this or time yep. to do that. And their reason is um, it keeps you from spending money you don't need to spend, and it keeps you from adding to the environment of stuff like waste oil and things like that. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I, I. You know. Is it all of that? Maybe it's a little bit of that. But. Um, but I. I think it is true. I remember. I remember uh, uh, when I first started in the repair business years ago. We had a customer that would come in every twelve hundred miles for an oil change, yeah. and I was like, you know, even you know, even back then, twelve hundred miles was kind of a lot. 
and and he he would say uh, he would go no that's why that's why my car lasts my cars always last as long as they do because I change the oil every you know six weeks and I'm like that's wow, wow that's a, that's a yeah. that's a lot of oil changes over the I course of a year yeah but, yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, and, you know, you talk to, you know, talk to people that lived in Europe and they would say, you change your oil every 3,000 miles. What's wrong with you people? We go, you know, we go eight, 10, 12,000 miles. And I don't know, somewhere in there, there's a happy medium, you know, right. and, you know, we have, we have this old Volkswagen that we keep here and a little bit newer Volkswagen that we keep in Florida. They're, they're 10,000 mile once a year oil changes. Well, neither of the cars probably go more than 4,000 miles and, both cars really only get driven for about six months at a time. So I do the once-a-year oil change. It's synthetic oil. I use a good quality oil. Um, you know, try to use the factory filters if I can. Um, and, you know, once a year, you know, the, you know, when the oil comes out at the end of a year, which is really only six months worth of driving, you know, the this, this stuff's still full and it looks brand new, And it, but it's time to change it. I, would I ever let it go 10,000? Even if I drove... You know, ten or fifteen thousand miles a year. I probably wouldn't let it go ten thousand. I want to do it a little bit more because I know by then the oil's going to get a, get a little bit more abuse. So right. take it easy with I, it. Yeah, I do have one other oddity for you. I don't know if you've seen it. Maybe you have. A message pops up on the Maverick dash. I was in the car fifteen minutes. It says you've been driving too long. You need a coffee break. And I'm thinking what? <laughs> so the look on my face from the camera that's facing me internally. Thought I needed to pull over. I've been driving too long. Anyway. Apparently, apparently, it happens to me all the time because um, I'm actually driving the very base model, and it's it's kind of funny. It's actually a 2022 uh, Maverick Hybrid. So it's the one with the steel ah. wheels, steel yeah. wheels, no cruise control. It's as basic as you basic. get. But the vehicle that I was driving before, the week before. Um, popped up a couple times it's time to take a break the first time it did it 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 was kind of funny the first time it did it it did it in a um orange thing showed a little coffee cup the second time it did it it did it in red like you really need to take a break well what happened was i looked down for something i did something i varied my speed a a little bit and it was telling me i needed to take a break and and rest and you know and these new uh driver observation systems I don't, I, you know, may it, you know, maybe it can tell you if you're about ready to fall asleep behind the wheel. That's the idea behind them, and the and the, uh, you know, the, you know, Consumer Reports puts a lot into this driver monitoring stuff. Um, in fact, that's one of the things they start to look for in their cars now is, you know, is the car paying attention to you? Um, so it definitely I, is. Yeah, I don't know if I want my car paying that much attention to what. To yeah, me, I mean, but, yeah. you know, I might have my eyes looking. Down, my eyelashes might look like they're closed, and they weren't. I yeah. just got a kick out of it. You know, I yeah. could see if I'd been driving for ten hours, yeah. like fifteen minutes, and I'm thinking I've never had a car that had all this technology. Even yeah. my wife doesn't, but this is crazy. How many, it, it, you know, it, how many people are looking? Yeah, I know, I know. It's it, you kind of want. Is it just the car that's looking, or is there somebody else watching you too? You know, right. yeah. Full room. Yeah, there you go. Okay, okay Robert. Thanks, thanks all right, take care. Yep, bye bye. If you want to join us, our phone number is 781-837-4900. I promise we will do trivia this week, and we will. We'll do that in a couple of minutes. Um, but I do want to talk about the Ford Maverick pickup truck, uh, the one that uh, not as nice a one as the ones Robert was driving. But this was the this was the early model that came out. Um, 
and this one has a bunch of miles on it. It's been around for a while, and but Ford wanted to keep it in the press fleet because it is a little bit unique. It is the basic model. It's the XL. There's nothing fancy about it. It's a four-door front-wheel drive hybrid pickup truck. Uh, it has plenty of power. I mean, it has more than enough power to do everything I needed to do. I, I drove it to uh, Rhode Island on Thursday. My boss actually retired on Friday, so they had a little luncheon get-together for him, and uh, we we drove out there for that. Um, it was, I mean, a good, comfortable ride out on the highway. Cloth interior. My wife felt the seats were a little too short, um, so not enough under-thigh support. Uh, but reasonably comfortable all along. Back seat, a little bit tight if you have the front seats all the way back, but certainly adults can sit back there. Easily seats four without any real problem. Um, short bed, this one happens to have the spray-in bed liner. It also has the um, little flip-out cage that sort of extends the sort of a bed extender, so it flips out on top of the tailgate, so it gives you a little bit more useful room if you're carrying more stuff in the back so it doesn't fall out of the back. Um, I like the idea that it's a four-door cab because it gives you that back seat room to be able to look at stuff. I used it yesterday. I went to the uh, local Agway store near where I live here uh, because one of our propane tanks ran out and I was there and there was a guy in a Ranger pickup truck and um, he was and it was a two-door Ranger pickup and and as soon as he saw me get in this he came over and he said what do you think of the Maverick what do you think of it and I said you know this is a pretty unique one steel wheels no alloy wheels pretty plain um, I said no cruise control power windows power door locks yeah power steering automatic transmission uh, no satellite radio just AM FM radio uh, decent backup camera uh, but but uh, he's like yeah I really wish they had it in a two-door and that's the, and that's the one thing that nobody really wants is a two-door cab they want the four-door so they can put stuff in the back and you know makes it easy if you if you have for instance if you're using it go get groceries you can put your groceries in the back seat where uh they're going to stay out of the weather for instance or luggage or whatever the case is um but he said you know what do you think he said you know he said my my little uh my little range is still holding on pretty good but he says i i like the idea and the original ranger is about the same size as this maverick um, so if you remember the original Ranger pickup, uh, kind of mini truck pickup, uh, this is pretty similar size and shape, uh, fuel economy, 40 miles to the gallon is what I've been getting with this. And that's a combination of city and highway. It'll do because it's a hybrid, it will do better on the highway. Um, overall, these, what was nice about these and kind of unobtainable is when these things first came out, they were like 20 grand which is about as cheap as you can get for a pickup truck. Um, so there you go. Why don't we take another break? But before we do, I promise trivia. And trivia is going to be a little bit unique because you can't be a – this is the trivia present or trivia gift is a AAA membership. Uh, so a, a regular AAA basic AAA membership, but you can't be a AAA member. This has to be this has to be a new member. So, can you win it and give it to someone else who's not a AAA member? Yeah, you can do that, but you can't use it to renew your membership if you already have a membership. Things like that, you can't use it that way. It has to be a new member, and um, and you have to live within AAA Northeast territory. So you have to, so if you're listening somewhere 
in, I don't know, Tallahassee, Florida. I, I answered an email for somebody in Tallahassee this morning. Uh, that's a different AAA. So AAA Northeast, which is uh, most of New York, uh, half of Connecticut, uh, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, little tiny bit of New Hampshire. Uh, so if you're AAA, so if you're within, within my AAA area and you want to become a AAA member, all you have to do is tell me from the movie Get Shorty, which I don't know how long, 1995, what was the vehicle that was referred to as the Cadillac of minivans? John Travolta called this thing the Cadillac of minivans in the 1995 movie Get Shorty. Uh, so what was the Cadillac of minivans? Right now we're going to take a break. If you want to call in, talk to Jesse, see if you have the answer to what was the Cadillac of minivans. Give us a call at 781-837-4900 and you can win a AAA membership. We'll be right back. School, the oldest continuing adult education center, is currently registering students for its fall term, set to begin on September 12th. Labor management professionals, facilitators, and attorneys make up the Guild School's faculty. Interested students should contact the Labor Guild at 781-340-7887 or the Guild's website, laborguild.com. That's laborguild.com. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com join. Talk radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk, where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night after the 6 o'clock news here on 95.9 WATD. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. Let's go to uh, John in Boston first. John, good morning. John, how are you? Good, how are you? I have a uh, 97 uh, Grand Marquis with 500 and... What happened? Did we lose John? Jesse? It was exciting while it lasted, but yeah. It was, it was, yeah. Well, let's go to Keith and Quincy then. Keith, Hello. good morning. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Along those lines, you were just talking about longevity. I have a 2009 Mitsubishi XLT, and I've never had it tuned up, and it's got 135,000 miles on it. What's the story with the tune-ups? Um, I would probably put a set of plugs in it at this point, uh, and hopefully you can still get them out. Um, the, the spark plugs that are used in today's cars are... Um, 
last a really, really long time because they have these little teeny tiny electrodes and they don't tend to go bad, but eventually, eventually they have to be replaced. So I would think at least a set of plugs in that, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, you know, maybe wires or if it's coil unplugging ignition, you might want to look at the little boots that go to that. But at some point, those plugs are going to start to misfire. And the other thing is, the longer they stay in there, you said, what year is this thing? A 2009? 2009. Yeah. So, yeah. So at, uh, you know, 14 years old, uh, the big concern always is, you know, are the spark plugs going to come out okay? You know, because they've yeah. been in there for so long. Uh, usually with a little bit of care, they do. Um, but still, I would think about, you know, at this, you know, before we get, go into winter weather, I would think about putting a set of plugs in it at least. Okay. Sounds like a plan. And uh, do you know anything about the Lincoln MKX? I'm looking for a used one in the, uh, like, early 2000s up to... 2010, somewhere along that line. I can't seem to find anything on the internet, whether they're a good car, they have problems, or whatever. They are a nice-looking car. I've driven them. They really ride nice, but I don't know if there was some kind of inherent problems in them or not. Um, I mean, the, you know, anything anything you look at, I think the... Um, and I'm going to steal right from Consumer Reports here. Uh, you, said okay. MK, you said MKX, right? MKX, yeah, it's like yeah. the same thing as yep. Ford and the yep. Uh, yep. little upgrade. And, and the one, the one year according to Consumer Reports to stay away from is 2019. But if you okay. look at if you look at anything newer than that, they look like they're pretty good cars all the way around. Okay, I'm looking actually looking at something a little bit older, but yeah, but I mean, if you know, if you're looking for, I mean, they only go back to 2015. Uh, which okay. which the 2015, for instance, is rated good all the way around, no issues whatsoever. So uh, okay. way ab- right. way above way above normal. So um, it looks like again, it looks like the newer one. Um, you know, the one to stay that's away me. from. Yeah, the one to stay away from is just the one that's that the one that's only about four years old. So stay away from that one. All right, very all good. Right. I enjoy oh, every weekend. I listen to it religiously. It's fantastic. All right. Well, thanks, Keith. All right. Take care. All right, thank you. And enjoy the rest of the weekend. Our phone number, yep, our phone number is 781-837-4900. And if you know what was referred to as the Cadillac or minivans, or John from Boston, if you're back, we can talk to you too. He is Either back. way. Uh, I wanted to, you know, one of the other things that came out, um, you know, as we, were, as we were looking at some of the questions that came in this week, and, and every week, you know, when I when I look at some of the some of the issues that people have with their vehicles and you know somebody somebody was looking at a um, Honda CRV and they said uh, they're looking to buy a new one they have well they actually have a 2008 they love it it runs good and there's no problems it's got a whole bunch of miles on it um, and they're looking for something under forty two thousand dollars and they said you know they'd like reliability they'd like something good and uh, it's scary that the price point may be a little bit harder to meet than you think. The average new vehicle transaction price now is a scary $48,000. And the typical hybrid sedan, uh, you know, you know, is like 41000 which makes something like this uh, Ford Maverick sound like a bargain. Um, since you're looking for... Um, 
you know, an SUV. Um, I, you know, I, you know, they were kind of, they were kind of hinting around, you know, luxury SUVs. I'd probably stay away from a luxury SUV. What I think I would rather do is get a fully loaded non-luxury SUV. And one of the things I recommended was the Hyundai Santa Fe in something called calligraphy trim, which is the fanciest model they have. It has everything from, you know, a 281 horsepower engine to all wheel drive. It has uh, something missing on even some luxury cars. The passenger seat has power adjustments where a lot of times on, on some cars today, unless they're high end luxury cars, um, they, um, they don't, they're manual adjustments on the passenger side, which is not a huge thing, but still, it's the idea that this car can come up with that. And it has a suggested list price of, you know, in the, in the low 40s. So maybe something, something worth looking at. Um, we do the other, have, uh, it, sorry, we do have John from uh, Boston back online. Oh, well, let's, 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 uh, let's go back to John from Boston then. John, good morning. Good morning, John. Sorry about that mistake. That's earlier. all right. That's all right. I've got it. I've got a 97 Grand Marquis with 573,000 miles on it. The car has been great for 21 years. I called you before about it. Now, over the past couple of days, I've got a heavy emission smell coming into the cabin. Could that be something on that EVAP system? With that amount of mileage, I mean, you'll see still, everything's original. Never changed any check valves on it, uh, the cape, Vanister caper, nothing. Now, now, does it, now, does it smell like gas or oil? It smells like no. It's not oil. It's not. It's fumey. It's like you know when you have a car and you start and the emissions are very rich. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that, and I could smell it inside the cabin. I had to put the windows down the other night. I'm not even driving right now. So I've been looking online. They're saying look for vacuum leak or, or vapor leaks along your lines. Could be the canister. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the uh, so what would you what would you aim for that, John? To try to yeah. what does it sound like? It could be something on that system. It it could very well be part of the charcoal canister, or the um, there's a solenoid in there. It could be part of that. Um, usually, out, yeah. yeah. Sometimes what happens is if you look at the um, the vapor line that comes off of comes off of that canister and the vacuum line that goes back to that, pull the line right. off and like you know tap it on your hand and see if any liquid gas comes out of it if liquid gas comes out of it you know that the you know that the um, the purge valve has gone bad um i'm okay. surprised even with you know the age of this car you're not you what year did you say it was 1997 yep 97 i'm surprised it hasn't clicked on a check engine light yet i've got no check engine light yeah that's the point yeah know? No, and that, yeah, anyway. I mean, yeah, and, yeah, and that was the other thing that I was. That's why I thought maybe an oil leak because, um, you know, if you're getting a little bit of oil leaking down on the manifold, that's going to give you that you know kind of burnt oil sort of no, smell. No, I know that burnt yep. oil smell. Yep. It's okay, good. Not that. It's like yeah. it's like a car running rich. You know that smell when that you know you smelled them before many times yourself. It's running rich for whatever yep. reason. It's that smell. You know what I mean? Yeah, and is that no. well, you know? It's I can't describe it as gas or oil. It's a very nauseous smell. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's and that's where I'd look. I'd I'd kind of really spend a little bit of time looking at that evap system just to just to see what's going on with it. There, like I right. said, there's a can there's a canister purge valve in there yes. that 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 I would look at that and see if, uh, like I said, pull the pull the hose off of it and see if you're getting um, see if you're getting any liquid fuel up through there. Um, uh, that that might be that might be it. Um, the canister itself oh, that, sometimes. 
can be a problem I'm sorry, too. Cancer itself, right? Especially yeah. with that mileage, John. What do you think with that mileage? I mean, that filter, something could probably be blocked or shut down at this point. Well, I, if if the purge valve was blocked, it would be really hard to fill with fuel. So when you go to oh, gas, by or, the way, the other day I was put, trying to put gas in there and it kept shutting off on me a couple times. Uh, would there it, would you, okay, there you go. Okay, so it's probably it's probably the it's somewhere in that purge valve system. What's happening is uh, when you go to fill the car with gas, um, the purge valve should let the gas tank vent. And what's happening yeah. now, it's not venting correctly. So right. that is sort of in the direction of where I'd want to I'd want to look and just look at the various components that kind of make that system work. Right. And you, so you would target probably the purge valve first. Okay, yeah, 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 that's that's what it that's what I'd look at first, um, you know, okay. certainly certainly and see, you know, see what it see what it looks like and see what see what you got going on and, it, and it's just, also pinging a little bit too, John. It's never done that before. So um, the mixture, correct? It could it could be it could be because uh, of the temp if it's running a little bit rich it could be because of the temperature the engine's running at um, higher you know yeah um, but that's that like I said that valve is um, that valve's got a, a vacuum connections going to it and it's got an electrical yes. connection going to it um, right. it's you know I think the actual factory one is probably a hundred bucks or so but uh, right. you can probably even buy an aftermarket one. Um, and, and just yeah, but it's got it's got at least I mean I'm kind of going by memory. Um, it's got at least two vacuum lines going to it, an electrical it connection. So yeah, I like I said, a, an easy way to tell is um, disconnect it and just look for liquid fuel. There shouldn't be liquid fuel. It should just be. There should vapor. be no liquid fuel in the lines there. It should right. be just right. It should be vapor. Yep. If it's collecting yep. fuel, it means it's not purging. Right. Right. Okay, John, and, and, chance, and chances are, if it's gone long enough, it's saturated the charcoal in that charcoal canister, so you might want to replace that, too. Yeah, just do a one-two step on yep. it. Huh? And yep. then if you see anything compromised as far as lines go, just change them. That's yep. what I'm going to do then, John. I'll order the two parts. Well, I I, I, I check I check them first before you spend your money, but do that. Oh yeah, do, no, definitely. Yeah. I'm gonna okay. Do pull the line All right. See if there's any fuel there. All right. All right. Good enough. By the way, the answer to that question was it a Dodge Caravan? It was not. But good guess, okay, though. All right, thanks. Take care. Bye bye. All right, we'll save we'll save the question for next week. That music means uh, the program's just about over. If I you want thank to, Jesse. We, we could try for to fire up. Uh, we have uh, actually, I think I just dropped the call by accident. Oh. Yep, he's gone. Never mind. Next. All week. right, never mind. All right. So until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you do see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye bye. <laughs>